Come on, come on, church. What in the world? Good morning, church. Come on, man. We're in the house of the Lord today. It's going to, like Dre said, it is a day to rejoice in Jesus Christ. Amen? Man, it is great to be back, be back here with you today. Man, it's already been a God-awesome morning, right? We came, we're singing praises to an awesome God. We're celebrating life change of his son, Jesus Christ. Come on, right? One of the things I want to share about these two, two ladies who accepted Jesus, it was a mother and daughter. Come on. Come on. A mother and daughter sat down and prayed and surrendered her life to Jesus Christ together. That is family impact. That is kingdom impact. Good morning to all of you who are joining us online. We love the fact that you are tuning in this morning. We pray for you as well that the word of God will reach you where you're at. Because I know what scripture says does not return void. It accomplishes it, what it's intended to. So I pray God changes your life this morning with a word of truth. And if you're new with us, welcome. Welcome to Vertical. Yeah, give it up for our guests, church. Welcome to Vertical Church, man. We love the fact that you're here. We hope that you feel welcome and wanted, that you come back and hang with us next Sunday as we chase this life with and for Jesus Christ. If you haven't figured out yet, we're all about Jesus in this place. We're a Jesus church all the way through, right? Come on. Hey, guys, we've been talking about this day coming up in September. Does anybody know what that is? Yeah, the best Sunday ever. Look at this. The best Sunday ever. Thank you. Come on. Uh, the best Sunday ever. It's going to be a great day. Listen, we're going to be pulling uh, all the stops, trying to reach our community, your communities, where you're at, where you're living, giving you cards. You're going to get them today when you leave to take those invite cards, pray over them, give them to people who need Jesus, right? We want to bring people to Jesus. That's the goal, our mission of making more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. This is going to be a great day, an opportunity for you just to invite them to come and have a good time. But what's going to happen that morning we're going to be talking all about Jesus. I'm going to be presenting the gospel. We're going to be sharing Christ, giving people opportunity to accept him. So do me a favor, go out and invite. And also, if you have not done so yet, to make those big days happen, we need our church to step in. Out When you leave today, there will be some sign-ups. You can walk over and sign up and join the team, Vertical Community Impact Team, and make a difference for Jesus right here in Fort Branch in Owensville, in Princeton, in Oakland City, in Mount Carmel. I'm leaving out Potoka. I'm all the go over, over, over. We spread all over the place. Jesus is doing some amazing work through this church, your church. And today we're bringing it close with our latest series. We've been walking through this series, This Is Us. And as we've been walking through this series, we've been clearly articulating and communicating our why. Why we do what we do as a church. Whether you're new with us or you've been here for years, you knowing, you believing our why is the first steps for us truly living out our mission as a church. And again, I just said it, our mission as a church is to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. Because when we know, when we believe in, and we choose to live out our why, lives are changed. Marriages are changed. Families are changed, churches are changed, communities are changed forever. So in this series, we say, this is us. This is why we do what we do, why we preach what we preach, all the things we do. This is why. Because the church is why, 
is the best why ever. Nothing competes with the church's why. The church's why, because the church's why changes someone's eternal zip code. You know what I'm saying? So in this series, we're saying this is us. And each week, what we've been doing, we've been walking through our core values, the the moving part of our mission, our core values. We have five of them. And when we are living these values out, truly what's happening is we are living our mission out as a church. Jesus starts changing lives on the daily. So over the past several weeks, we've been walking through for the first three. And today, we're going to step into the fourth and next series, starting next week, we're going to kick into the fifth one. But here are the first three that we've walked through so far this, in this series. The first one is found people, find people. Say that with me. Yeah, found people, find people. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're following him. You have been found. You were lost, and now you're found. And your calling and your life, according to Jesus, not according to Rich, is to go tell people about Jesus. Go find them and tell them about Jesus. What we need is Jesus people telling Jesus the people. You got me on that? Or that's what we need to be doing as a church. Save people, serve people. Say that. We are saved people. We are found people or saved people. What saved people do is we start serving others. We start serving the kingdom. Jesus had made it very, very clear that those are the places of importance are those who live it out, those servanthood in their lives. You want to be great? Serve someone. That's what Jesus puts out there. The last one is growing people change. Say it. Growing people change. Growing people change. We all have a before Jesus life. We have an after Jesus life. And that space between better be different. We better be different of the after Jesus life than we are of the before Jesus life. We are called to be growing in a relationship. We're called to be growing and become more like Jesus and less like the world. Well, today we step into the, a fourth one. And this, this morning, is called, this was the core value. Life is better connected. Life is better connected. Now, this is an adjusted core value for us as a church. We've been walking this out for the past several months in our, in our literature and putting things out there. It's rebuilding our website. Uh, but you may have heard the phrase in the past, you can't do life alone. Has anybody heard that? Show me a raise your hand. You heard that phrase before? Okay. You can't do life alone. But the reality is that, that phrase is you can. You can do life alone. You can do a life alone that's miserable. You can do a life alone that's really lonely. You can't do a Jesus life alone, right? But you can choose to do life alone. Life is better connected, takes the idea of us living in community and puts it on the positive. Life is better connected, takes this idea of living in community and encourages us to live in community, inspires us to be connected to others because we were connected in life. The best life that we have is being connected with other people. Because the reality is, we were created for community. You and me, all of us, as humanity, we are created to live in community. Life is better connected. Say that with me. Life is better connected. At Vertical, we believe life is better connected. We believe life is better connected to God. Amen? We believe that life is better connected to the church. And we believe life is better connected to other people. God never intended us to do life alone. Listen, God loves and lives in community with himself. God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, God the Son. They live in community together. And his desire 
is for his creation, his special creation, his church to live in community too. Now, some of you, you're saying, all right, oh, come on, Rich. I'm not part of the church. I'm just trying to, I'm not sure if I hold this thing about God and Jesus. I'm just trying to think it through. I am just here this morning, Rich, because there is someone with me who would not stop asking me to come unless I showed up once. Okay? Maybe that's you in this room. Let me, I have two things to say about that. The first step. The first step. Two things. One, I'm glad you're here. This conversation is for you. Two, yay for the person who wouldn't stop it yet, stop inviting you. Right? Some of you, others of you are thinking right now that you don't even like people. Come on, we got a hand raised over here. Let's just keep this real. But the fact that you are here is proof of what I'm saying. You have people in your life. You have people who care about you, who invited you. You have people that you come to be connected with every Sunday. Because the most effective life that we can live with this life with Jesus is living in community. So here's what we're going to do this morning. I'm going to tell you right up front what your challenge is going to be. I'm going to tell you right now what I'm going to challenge you, call you to do. What is your action step? Every Sunday you should walk out of here like, what's my next step to think? What is Rich calling me to do? What is God calling me to do through his word? Right? I'm going to tell you right up what it is. After, at the end of this conversation, I'm going to pray. I'm going to say amen. And after I say amen, you are challenged, friends, to go out those doors and, find, and sign up for a small group. Right? Go out there. Yeah, just small group leaders are clapping right now. Yeah, join my small group. When you walk out, don't be like every Sunday, other Sunday, you're going to dash for that front door because you're hungry or hangry. Go find a small group and get and sign up for a small group. We can step in this, get this together. And if you, don't, you know, if you don't get out there and you don't find a small group, you're like, okay, there's not one a night or a, ta- a place for me. Listen, we can start a small group with you. We can get you the resources. We can make it possible. We, it's easier than you think. Now, you got the challenge? Yeah. Now that you know this up front, if you want to leave, now's the time. <laughs> or you can stay. And we as a church can walk through the next 20 minutes breaking down through Scripture why walking out those doors and signing up for a small group could be one of the best decisions of your life. Now, if you're new to a small group idea, you're just like, what is a small group, Rich? Small groups are a weekly, weekly gathering of people. And we, we meet in the comfort of, of homes. And we start building relationships with people. And friendships are formed. We open the Bible. We have conversations about Scripture. It's not, a, it's not a, a conversation club. We just sit there and talk all night. We are talking about Jesus and what, how the Word applies to our lives. And life starts to change. That's a small group. You know, one of the questions or the conversations that I've had for, for years, it's very frequent with other pastors and other church leaders, is very simply, why do we drift? 
Why do we drift? And by drift, I mean, why is it so easy for us to do the things that we don't want to do? Why is it so easy for us to do the things that we know we shouldn't be doing? Why is it so hard to do the things that we know we ought to be doing, that we want to do? Why do we drift? You know, even though every Sunday we open up his word and we have conversations about how not to drift. In fact, I've heard it before, I've read it before, um, very clearly that pastors have one job on Sunday morning. One job. And as to tell people, tell people how their life with Jesus, to remind people how their life with Jesus and how their life can be with Jesus changes everything. Their walk with him, how that changes Everything. Challenge them to live it out. Who they are and how they live. That's our job. In fact, every single week, you can hear, I'm going to remind, try to remind you who you are in Jesus or who you can be in Jesus and how Jesus has called you to live. And drifting is right in the middle of that. Because so often we, go, we walk through this thing called life and we drift from understanding who we are in Jesus Christ. We miss our identity in the Savior. And so often in life, when we start missing our identity, we start drifting in how he has called us to live. It sits right in the middle. You understand? Drifting. Why do we drift? And drifting happens in, in our lives in many areas. You know, drifting can be simply this. We set a rule in our home. Like, this is how it's going to be. And over time, we go back the way it was before. Parents, you feel me on this, Right? You're not going to stay up past 8 o'clock. You're going to bed because it's a school night. A month later, 8.30, they're still watching cartoons. You're grounded for two weeks. I'm taking your device. You can't do anything. Oh, two days later, like, I don't want to deal with you. Here's your device. <laughs> right? We do this all the time. We put things in place and we drift away from them. We set goals for our own lives. Knowing where we want to go. And then we drift and we never get there. What's so frustrating about drifting is that we never drift in a good direction. We never drift in a good, good direction. I have never seen someone drift into to losing weight and becoming all sorts of ripped. Never. I have never seen someone drift out of debt and experience financial freedom. It just doesn't happen. When we drift, in almost every area where we drift, the direction never benefits our lives. And unfortunately, that's the same when it comes to following and walking with Jesus. Just think about last week's conversation. If you missed it, by the way, I want to encourage you to go to our podcast and give a listen. It was all about growing people, changing. Things that grow are alive. Things that don't are dead is a phrase that I use. And a dead life is a drifted life. Think how many times you have committed to make life changes. Think how many times you have made a commitment to, to continue to move on and make some things in life that do some things that are better. We make the commitment and life continues and because we can't stop time, we usually get a week or two or three and nothing has changed. 
Well, we do make some changes. We do put some things in place in life. And it starts happening. We start out strong, but over time it goes back to the way it was before. That is drifting. Now, if that's you here this morning, don't beat yourself up. Because here's the reality. Point number one. We all drift. We all drift. When it comes to drifting, every single one of us in the room said, we, we have been there, we have done that, I've got the t-shirt. Maybe some of us in this room said, I've been there, done that, I have a drawer full of t-shirts. You know what I'm saying? We try and try and try it and we drift. We make the commitment to get back to get back the way things were, push things forward in life, and we start drifting. And we also do that in our relationship with God. Think about when it relates to coming to church. Being here on a Sunday morning, we drift. We make a commitment to get back to church. And after a few weeks, we miss because something happens or something gets scheduled. And before you know it, you haven't been here in a month or two months because something happens and something gets scheduled. You simply drifted. How about reading the Bible? Church. Read your Bibles. We start a new Bible plan, man. We're all excited and we start reading it. We stick with it for a month or maybe two. And then we, maybe we miss a few days because we're sick or we go on vacation. Or maybe we stayed up too late. Or maybe we got up too late. Or maybe we got a Facebook notification and we thought that was more important. So and then we start scrolling on Facebook. And next thing you know, all the lot of time that we had to read about Jesus, we spent looking at other people's lives on Facebook. And next thing you know, you haven't read your Bible in three weeks. You drifted. Listen, you're not alone in this. I just said we all, all of us have drifted. And honestly, personally, it drives me crazy when I drift in my life. See, when it comes to living this life with and for Jesus Christ, it's not like someone is asking me to lead a mission to Mars and find those aliens that everybody's talking about. You know what I'm saying? All I'm trying to do is every single day to look more like Jesus and less like the world. So why can't I make that a focus? Why can't I fight against it? Why do I drift? That's just me. In spite of our goals, what we know to be true, in spite of our best intentions in life, we all have a tendency to drift can we just admit that together? Can we just admit that together? Are you with me on that? All right, do me a favor. Say this. I drift. I drift. I drift. I drift. Awesome. Now we're on the same page. Let's get it. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7, we're starting at verse 15 this morning. Romans 7, verse 15. If you grab an orange Bible on the way in, you see it on the screen, you'll find it on page 771. 771. Romans was written by a follower of Jesus named Paul. We talked about Paul last week. He was a guy at one point in his life who's deeply despised everything Jesus and all things Christianity. And then Jesus changed his life forever by opening his eyes to the truth. And if you read scripture, Acts chapter 9, 
You'll see literally things like scales fell off his eyes and he could see again. And God used this guy the rest of his life to tell people about the hope in Jesus that he changes everything. So as you are there, open your Bible, your Bible apps, Romans chapter 7. Let's look at what Paul, a champion for Christ, says for himself. This is him speaking about himself. Verse 15. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do, I hate I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree the law is good. As it is, I know it is no longer myself who do it, but the sin living me. For I know the good itself does not dwell in me, that is my sinful nature. For I have a desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do, if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but the sin living me that does it. Stop right there. I call this the doo-doo passage. <laughs> because the word is used a lot. And for what Paul is saying. Friends, I read this passage, and I think this is one of my favorite passages Because it reminds me to take a breath. It tells me that I'm not alone when it comes to drifting. It tells me that others, there are others in this world. There's others in this room. There's others in this community. And there are those who are like Paul, who was a champion for Jesus, who wrote a third of our New Testament that we proclaim Christ in, that he drifted also. And maybe that's something you need to hear this morning. That you don't drift alone. Maybe right now you're in the middle of a drifting pattern in life. And you're wondering if anybody else, this happens to anyone else to you just except for you. Maybe you're sitting right there this morning and you're sitting in a bucket of shame. Because you drifted. And you feel like it's better, it's much easier and better for me to give up than trying to live differently. If that is you. You are in a drifting pattern. You feel shameful. Let's take a, let's do this. Just take a breath. And in fact, let's do this again. Everybody ready? Breathe in. Breathe out. Amen. Because we're in this together. Because the reality is we all drift. In this letter in Romans chapter 7, Paul is writing to me. Paul is writing to you, and he's writing to all of us, revealing the truth of his testimony, of his own life, that he had problems of drifting, that we set out in the best intentions, and before we get to the end of the month, the week, or the day, there's moments that we fail. You know, one of the toughest parts of this and maybe, maybe the hardest parts for us to understand or grasp this morning or to hear this morning when it comes to following Jesus, become more like Jesus, is no one has done more harm to my walk with Jesus than myself. No one has done more harm to my walk with Jesus than myself. No one sabotages our lives more than us. Every time, every time in my life have I failed to look like Jesus, I was there. Every situation, 
a situation. They may change. The people a part of it may change. But I have always been there. When I look back in my life, some of the worst decisions I've ever made, like it or not, I was always there. No one sabotages our life more than us. And so my guess you already knew this. But putting into words may become convicting. Like, man. Many of us come to church on Sunday mornings. We get our worship on. We raise our hands. We sing out loud. We praise our awesome God. And we get what some people say, like, I get my spiritual filling. I, I, I am filled for the week, man. I'm, I'm all juiced up. I got recharged this morning. It was absolutely amazing. And I get that. But if I could just press in just a little bit this morning on that, as much as I love Sunday mornings, Sunday mornings alone is not the solution to drifting. Please don't mishear me in this. I love Sundays. I love hanging with all of you. Sundays are what? They are what? Tell someone next to you it's your fun day. (laughs) Gathering together as this church to worship together is huge. It's important where they walk. In fact, it is my hope, my desire, my prayer to move the needle north in our church attendance. Because the reality is, for the last 15 plus year, church's attendance has dropped. It's been heading in the wrong direction. People who say, I love Jesus, are putting things over coming to worship Jesus with their family. It used to be three to four times a month people would come to church. Right now, the statistics out there says 1.6 times a month people show up at church. What? That's cray-cray, right? I love Jesus, but I'm going to choose to do everything else on a Sunday morning except to come to church. Only when it's convenient to me. But that doesn't blind my eye. I believe in Sunday mornings. You need to be here. We need to be together, celebrating life change, praising God, but it does not blind my eye to the limitations of a Sunday morning ministry. Yes, we come. Yes, we worship. Yes, we are challenged by the word. We learn and grow together in a big context. But what do we do in the middle of the week when the crisis steps into our lives? What do we do when we have tough decisions to make? What do we do do when we find out our kids are drifting themselves and we need insight, we need help, we need encouragement? What happens then? What happens when it's the end of day on Wednesday and you just went through three hard days of work and you feel like giving up? What do we do when we are drifting? What happens when, what do we do when we're drifting and we don't even know it? We start making some decisions, it's a slippery slope, and next thing you know, we are drifting away from our relationship with God. 
This is where we need to scale everything down, you know, bring it all down to a closer context where we're doing life with other people, real life. Not the Sunday morning like, life is great. Smile, Jesus loves you. You hear me say it all the time. What do we, how do we break this down to bring in this clear context, a living, connect to other people? Because Sunday morning, we just can't do that. It needs to happen during the middle of the week. We need to get together in smaller groups of people who will be there and walk with us. And that's the connectedness that happens in small group. The best way that you, me, we as a church to combat drifting is choosing to live in community. Because here's the reality, here's the reality. Point number two, drifting is an issue of isolation. It's an issue of isolation. We get this idea in our head that we think, okay, that life, that best life is live alone. We don't need other people in our lives. Because sometimes people are messy, so we don't want messy. Sometimes people in our lives bring drama, and Lord knows Rich doesn't like drama. So we rather just push it all away so we can become isolated. And when we become isolated, we start drifting away from our walk with Jesus. The author of Hebrews says it this way in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. He says, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you have a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. I'm going to stop right there. As long as it's called today. I'm not a genius. But when we wake up tomorrow, we're going to say it's today. When we wake up on Wednesday, we're going to say it's today. So as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be enhardened by sinful deceitfulness. We are called to come alongside the living community every single day that we can. Our drift happens when we choose to do life alone. Our drift happens when we have people speaking into our lives. This verse tells me that we need to be there for one another. When we're there together, we're not drifting in isolation, but we're gathering together. That we bear one another's burdens, we forgive one another, we pray with one another, we love one another, we speak the truth in our lives with one another. And you can't do life alone because life is better connected. And that happens in small groups. Let's, let's look at this from differently. Um, James. James, Jesus' brother, who was a leader at church, he was a pastor in Jerusalem, Every time I read the book of James, I just think about, could you imagine being Jesus' brother? What should be like your brother Jesus? <laughs> Not fair, Mom. What he says in his book is pretty convicting. Look at this in chapter 5, verse 16. He says, therefore, we're looking at this differently. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. 
I believed as we're walking with Jesus that confessing our sin and praying for each other is huge in our lives with Jesus. Are you agreeing with me on that? Yes. Amen? Yes. Say it again, amen? amen? All right, so what we're going to do, I'm going to put a five-minute five timer on the clock. Go ahead and do that if you would, please. Show me that five-minute timer. Five-minute timer. Now, what I want you to do is get up out of your seats, go find a bunch of people you do not know, and start confessing your sin. All right? So it's going to get real, church. You ready for this? Ready, set. <laughs> yeah. Some of you are like, I'll get up. I'll get up and walk right out the door and never come back. <laughs> Gone and lost your mind. You could just see the look on your faces. <laughs> Living this verse out on a Sunday morning is almost unrealistic. Because you're not going to get up and walk across the room and share your sin with people who don't know you. That's why we need a small group. People that know us and we know them. We love them. They love us. And we're going to call each other out. And we're going to carry each other's burden. And we're going to talk about our sin. What we're struggling with. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this about the power of sin. Sin demands to have a man by himself. It withdraws him from community. The more isolated a person is, the more destructive will be the power of sin in his life. We need each other. We're created to be together. In fact, we need people and people need us. That's the power of true community. Living and doing Life together because it's better connected with other people. And here's the reality. Here's the truth. You don't know real community until a real community knows you. We can set the surface all day long. And we can hide our Drifting. Or we can choose to get deep with one another and, and hold each other accountable and walk at this Jesus life together. As long as you are, no one knows you, then you are simply unknown. One of the easiest questions, maybe the most self-probing questions you can ask yourself is, who knows me? Who has permission to speak into my life? Who is close enough to speak into our life and challenge us to change? Who is so close to you that can recognize when you're drifting when you don't? Who cares enough about your heart and your life to call you out so you don't turn away from the living God because of the deceitfulness of sin? Do you have someone in your life that can speak and do just that? If not, why not? Because you need it. I need it. 
I have a really good friend of mine, both two good friends of mine, both of them live in Pennsylvania. I've given them complete freedom to speak into my life. They say, Rich, you're a dope. Do you have that? In a few weeks, we're going to be launching our small group ministry. We're asking you to sign up this week and next week. But in three weeks, we're kicking things off. Here's what you need to do. You need to go get in it. Find one. Sign up. And if you're here this morning and you're like, Rich, no. It's not for me. I'm here to tell you, you're fighting against the very fabric of how you were created. Even outside of Jesus, you're created to live in the community of other people. And in Jesus, you're part of the body of Christ. Go read 1 Corinthians 12, please. You are connected. In Jesus, we're called to do this life together. And let me just share with you. Over the years, I've been in many small groups. And I have the blessings to watch so much happen in front of me. I've watched several people come to Christ. Stephanie and I have had opportunities to see half of our small groups several times be baptized. I've watched people embrace their life with Jesus and start living it out loud but around the round, people around them and they've had family members come to Jesus. I watched some of the hardship taking place, a death, and people don't know, I don't know how to handle this. Well, we're there for them. When there's a baby brought into the world, we celebrate. There are some weeks why I'm feeling so defeated that I want to be around no one. And Steph kicks me in the back end, throws me in the car, and pulls me into my small group. And it's the best thing. It's what I needed the most. It's what you need. Talk to my small group all the time, said, I will never stop inviting people to our small group. They're like, Rich, we have a micro church on Thursday nights. Yeah, we'll figure that out. But there's too many people who don't have what we have. And I'm wanting them to experience the love that we feel. I want you to experience the love that we feel. We believe. Life is better connected. This is us. Now go make it you. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. I thank you for your love, your mercy, your grace. I thank you for the rawness and the realness of your word, the truth. 
that we can't do this life by ourselves. We are called to be connected. Life is better connected with people, even if we are frustrated by it at times. We need people in our lives. Father, I'm sitting here thinking about we just sang Egypt this morning and talking about Moses and how he, when he called out Joshua to go fight the Amalekites, he went up top of the mountain to stand there, and as long as he held his staff out, they were winning. But when Moses grew, grew tired and the staff came down, they were losing. But it was two brothers who came alongside him and put a stone on his back end so he could sit down. And they took one arm each. Aaron and Hur held his arms up. And while they were holding his arms up, Joshua, Joshua experienced victory. <laughs> God, we want to experience victory over drifting in our lives. And if we want that, when we need people on our side holding us up and helping us move forward and experiencing a life that is fully life, embracing all that you have for us. I pray that for our church. I pray for that every single person who is listening or watching online. I pray for every single person in this room who can hear my voice, you need to be connected to others, to God, to the church, to people. Life is better connected. Right now, I'm gonna call our prayer team forward. The last part of James talks of prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective because we believe in the power of prayer. And if you're walking through this something this morning, you're realizing you are drifting in your walk with Jesus and you want to come forward and proclaim that and call on Jesus to forgive you, do just that. We want to pray with you. Scripture is also very clear that when we confess our sins, that Jesus will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So maybe you're, you need to do that this morning. Maybe you're struggling because you've never accepted Jesus. You don't know what your next step needs to be. You don't know how to be connected. Man, your connectedness needs to start with you being connected to Jesus Christ. If that's you, come forward and talk to our prayer team. They want to walk you through of accepting Christ, going from death to life, changing your zip code from hell to heaven, and embracing the Holy Spirit, living a changed life. God, thank you for this series. Thank you for walking us through, reminding us all that this is us not because it's what we want it's what you've called your church to be we give you all the glory we give you all the praise in Jesus name I pray amen God bless church have an amazing week